started a series last week, and it is strange, I know, but we're doing the biography of J.R.R. Tolkien, and it's just, it's just out of the ordinary. And now more than ever, I believe that God is in this series. Yeah. This sermon was the genesis of the whole series for me. This is the one that I believe that God was speaking to me on. Now, it's either going to be the most amazing sermon that we've ever done, or it's going to be a huge disaster. So it is, just give me a little bit of grace. And we are going to be doing something that, that is, it doesn't feel church-like. We're going to watch the longest video clip in Granite Creek history. So you're just going to have to shift out of church mode for a second. Imagine that you have an imaginary cup of popcorn, and you're, you're just in the movies today, okay? At least for, you know, the next 12 minutes. Yeah, it's a 12-minute clip, and it was almost a 25-minute clip, <laughs> and so I had to cut some of it out. Now, we're going to be showing a little bit of The Hobbit, and what I need you to understand and get we need to change our lens on how we see the material and how we read the material. Number one thing I want you to do when you're watching this is I want you to see the hero in a different light. So the hero in, this, in these clips is the wizard. It's Gandalf, okay? Gandalf, I don't have time to go into all of the details, but clearly Tolkien wrote him in as a Christ type. He acts like Jesus, he functions like Jesus, he'll eventually sacrifice himself like Jesus, and he'll rise from the dead like Jesus. He's a very clear Christ type, and Tolkien even talks about it. So, I want you to see the character. Maybe the first time you watched the movie, you read the book, you didn't see him in that light. But that was Tolkien's intention. His intention was to share Jesus with you through this character, okay? The other thing that Gandalf does... is that he embodies divine encounter. He embodies God coming through and breaking through and not just saving us, but providing what we need in the very moment that we need it. The part, unfortunately, that I had to cut out is part of these characters that were the, the dwarves, they're, they're underground, they're in very, very dark places, and they're being tormented by goblins. It's kind of it's scary, kind of creepy, right? And it's just like they have all these little creatures on them and, and, and picking on them and poking them and torturing them, and it's like the heroes, have, they have all of their energy sapped out of them. They're just like languishing. They're just rolling around the ground like they, they, have, they have no fight in them. And then the wizard, God, shows up and he says to them, find your strength. Pick up your swords. This one might be a clip for another day. He says, pick up your swords. And the swords have names, foe hammer and goblin cleaver. Do you know that you, you have a sword and it has a name? Yeah. It's called the Bible. 
Now, it's an action scene, but, I mean, Tolkien is, he's just saying that your Bible should be the faux hammer. This is what you fight with. This is what you do war with. You have to be in the Word of God. That's why we do a daily reading. You've got to, you've got to have your sword in your hand. So take up your swords today and learn to fight. Now, this clip, again, huge risk I'm taking here. It, there's a lot of action, so the inner junior high boys are going to be very happy today. <laughs> but just go with me. I'll explain it all at the end. But you need to see the wizard as divine intervention. And God has got divine intervention planned for you. Luke, let's go ahead and roll that clip. In Tolkien's mythology, the, the eagles are literally angels. That's, uh, that they were there from the very beginning. Have you ever heard the term out of the frying pan and into the fire. You've heard that term before. All right, I did a little research. Tolkien did not coin that term, but, but he made it famous in this, in this bit right here. The reason why God put this on my heart is because prior to COVID, things were hard, right? Remember, how we thought life was hard prior to COVID. And then we went into COVID. That hurt the church. We went into the political season. That hurt the church. We had to deal with racial issues in society. That hurt and divided the church. The economy on a teetering on recession, that hurt you and it hurt the church. I am a very proud pro-life pastor. This is a pro-life church. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's, that's who we are. Um, I was very surprised and bewildered at Roe v. Wade. I'm like, wow, this is a victory. And then the fight began, right? And so, and a couple other hard things happened during that season. And literally out of my mouth came these words. It feels like we're just going out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah? You ever been in that situation before? Where it just seems like one bad thing after another bad thing? I think what God wants to teach us right now is this very special word called resilience. You know, our heroes, our dwarves, they, they come out from being, they come out from under the ground, from being, you know, in darkness, tormented by evil. And they, they come out and they, they make it out into the fresh air and they think that they're okay. But they're not okay. There's just some wolves waiting to get them, right? And a lot of times in our Christian walk, we have this, this same experience where maybe we, we're stuck in, our, in, in sin, we're... we're in dark places, and it takes some time for God to get us out. And then we think as soon as we come out into the light, that we think that everything is going to be okay. <laughs> it's not. The battle is still raging. Yep, so, 
Now is not the time to rest. We're out in the light. Church is moving forward. You're moving forward. Things are getting better. But be on guard. Be aware. Like something, something else could be... You can, have a werewolf or a Belgian Malinois waiting to bite you, right? right? <laughs> here's, the, here's the deal. If you step into something that feels just as hard, God has not abandoned you. You might feel like God has abandoned you. You might feel like giving up. But now is not the time to give up. Now is the time to strengthen your faith, strengthen your inner man, your inner woman. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have troubles. Like, it's not going to be easy, but in this world, you will have troubles. But then he says, but take heart, I have overcome this world. I, I, I think Tolkien's writings are beautiful, obviously. Now, Here's something about his personal life. As a very young age, as a boy, his father died of, uh, I don't know, one of those, those old-timey diseases. <laughs> he grew up dirt poor, destitute. He was very close to his mother. His mother, she had to, you know, make it, make it work, right? She's a single mom. She had to make, make things happen. She converted to be a Catholic, and that ostracized her from her Protestant community. It was very difficult for her to actually be accepted in society. And at the age of 12, Tolkien's mother dies, had a huge psychological impact on him. He was broken. He writes about that one. He was an orphan. Him and his older brother were orphans for the longest time, and a Catholic priest takes him in and raises these two young boys as his own and saw the giftings, the intellectual capacity of Tolkien and uh, got him into higher education, basically. So you would think that, oh, and he survived a very terrible spider bite too, by the way. Uh, you would think that as soon as he got into the university system, that he was out in the clear, that everything was rosy, that, that, he, you know, that life was going to be good now, right? And then World War I happens. And Tolkien was not the individual, because remember, Tolkien is Bilbo Baggins, right? He's that character that doesn't know how to fight. He's the individual that, that's not strong. He's, he's all, it's all up here in his head, right? He doesn't want to go. But his major theme is moral courage. And so he went and he served his country. They had no idea how bad World War I was going to be. The politicians and the leaders thought that it was going to be over in a few months. But there, this was a new type of war. I mean, no war is good, and you know, even back then, war wasn't good, but this was the worst that humans had ever done at that moment. 
Because prior, prior to World War I, you just, you know, you had cavalry charges, you had horses and swords and maybe some muskets and bayonets and things like that. No, this, world, this war introduced the machine. Machine guns, tanks, chemical weapons, airplanes. And it was, they were fighting in a different old style, and it was wholesale slaughter like the world had never seen. Tolkien was in the trenches, and he fought at the Battle of Psalm, which is probably historically one of the worst battles in human history. And if you think that's bad, then he gets trench fever and almost dies in the mud with trench fever. We're not, we know that he did battle, but he does not write about battle. I mean, you know, if you want to do a deep dive into his writing, some psychologists and historians think that L-O-T-R and The Hobbit, that this is Tolkien telling us about his experiences. This is how he is processing his uh, PTSD, literally. Interesting, huh? He doesn't talk about the horrors that he had to go through. But he survives that. He survives trench fever. He comes home. The war is over. Every single one of his classmates died in that war. I think there might have been one that made it. And he is, he literally has gone out of the frying pan, into the fire. He thinks that, you know, the war is over. Now, this is really important for all of us to get. This is what he does, and eventually he talks Lewis into doing this. Even though it is really bad, and he has come out on the other side of life, he makes a decision. He makes a choice not to get cynical and not to get bitter. I mean, he's experienced some terrible, terrible stuff that would make most of us Americans be like, it would break most of us. But he made a choice to continue to keep his faith in the Lord for his strength. And then he writes these masterpieces about moral courage and about divine intervention. While all the other writings were so disillusioned by the war effort and, and what the war did, what the church did, that the society was cynical beyond belief. Nobody was believers after World War I because they saw the horrors of that war, except for Lewis and except for Tolkien. Could you imagine if they would have been, you know, you know what, God gave up on me and I'm going to give up on God, right? So in the book of Job, Job is an archetype for, for this type of a situation. He's an archetype for us in our lives because we're going to be facing some difficulties, if you haven't already faced difficulties, you will face difficulties. And there's going to be a, a, a lie that's going to be whispered into your ear. And in Job's case, it was his own wife. And the, the lie is whispered into your ears as you're going through hard times. God doesn't really love you. Curse God and die. That would be better for you. Now, once you hear that lie, once you hear that whisper, what does the scripture say? The scripture says you take hold of every thought, you make them obedient to Christ, right? And you fall back into faith.
when you feel like giving up, don't give up. When you feel like you have no more faith, when you feel like, I just don't, Pastor Josh, I don't believe this crazy stuff you're preaching anymore. When you don't believe, what do the scriptures say? God, I don't believe, so help my unbelief. Yeah? I just have a very simple point. And that is just to wait upon the Lord. God's timing is not our timing. Remember, we're a fast food culture. We want our blessing and we want it now. Yeah? If we have to wait 10 minutes for our blessing, then I don't know. We're just going to jump to another philosophy. We'll jump to another religion. Scriptures say that divine intervention is waiting for those that wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. If you're going through a hard time, wait on the Lord. If you're going through hell, don't stop, but wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Even if you're disillusioned and cynical, wait on the Lord. Be patient. Lord knows he's patient with you. Right. <laughs> wait on the Lord. This is from the message version. You might know this scripture, Isaiah 40, 30. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Or whine? Just so you know, the Lord doesn't inhabit the whinings of his people. Or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. Isn't this interesting that the ancients were working this stuff out too? They had the same problems, same issues that we do. Why has God lost track of me? He doesn't see me anymore. Poor me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. He's with you always. God laughs. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He's God of all of that. He doesn't get tired out. Doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. That's kind of a scary thought for some of us, isn't it? He knows absolutely everything inside and out. You can't hide a thing from him. So just be honest with him. You ready? He energizes those who get tired. Gives fresh breath. Strength to the dropouts. 
For even young people tire and drop out, except for our worship band. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime will stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God, those who wait upon the Lord, get fresh strength, or their strength will be renewed. They spread their wings and soar like what? Like eagles. They run and don't get weary. They run and don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. All right. I want to fly on eagles' wings. Now, you and I all can do things within our own power. But it's much better to have a divine intervention into your life. In my own personal life, I, I like, like, you put your nose to the grindstone, you get your work done, you stay faithful, you stay consistent, and yet life still happens. Years ago when I had the antique business, there was a season where I was doing great. And then there was a season right after 9-11 where I wasn't doing so great. I, I don't know how this works. I don't know how, I, I can't teach a class or do a conference on this. I just know one simple thing. If you're waiting upon the Lord, if you're faithful to him, if you don't curse him, if you don't blame him, if you don't whine, then, then he wants to give you a divine intervention. Now, I was just like racking my mind because rent is due, bills are due, inventory is down. Like, it was hard. And at the very last minute, eagles soared into my antique shop. in the form of a gay interior designer, by the way. But that dude bought everything, right? He bought everything. In the very last minute, when, when rent was due, an angel came in and bought everything. And he can do that with you. In fact, I would suspect that a good majority of people he's already done that for. Yeah? So, if you have ever been out of the frying pan and into the fire, and you, you didn't curse God, you didn't whine, but you put your faith and you put your trust in him, and divine intervention came in, your marriage was saved, your finances were saved, your physical body was miraculously healed. If that was you, stand up. The Word of God says that there is power in the testimony. Do you feel the power in the room right now? This is a witness of what God can do. If He can do it for these people, He can do it for you. There is power in the testimony. And if he's done it once, he'll do it again. So believe, don't give up. Don't curse God and die. 
There's always going to be a fight. There will always be another day. This world will not be easy. But there's always eagles. And you can always soar if you're waiting upon the Lord. Landon, come on up. You may be seated. <laughs> it's not bad? Okay. Uh, woo. <laughs> I know there wasn't a whole lot of Bible reading in that one, but you all should be on the daily Bible ple- reading plan. So... If you're like, I just didn't get enough meat in Pastor Josh's sermon today, just go read your Bible, for goodness sake. <laughs> we're on a daily plan. Every day we're reading the thing. Should never, shouldn't be saying that in this season. All right. One of the things I have learned about Tolkien and his personal life, the the dude was obsessed with communion. Like, he just, he just did it all the time. And then once I learned that about him, and then he began to reread the stories, he's got communion in his stories. Like, you know that part in uh, L-O-T-R, the Limbus bread? Where do you think that came from? It came from this. And so... I just want to encourage you to be so, re- so relational with the Lord that you are, you are eating with him every day. You know, this is a little, little ritual that we're doing. I don't like ritual. I don't like religious ceremony unless it has its place. I don't like it if it takes the place of personal relationship with Jesus, right? Okay? And yet, this is more than symbolic. And if you have the imagination, if you have if you have the imagination, Jesus is closer to you now than he's ever been in this very moment. Tolkien's magic bread that he writes about gave life, gave energy, gave renewal, gave insight, and it was provision. Our bread, it's not magic, but it is powerful, and it will sustain you for this long journey ahead. Receive the body of Christ for your provision and your sustenance in this journey. Now, okay, remember, God sees everything, right? He sees everything. Nothing can be hidden. So you might as well, in your mind, just confess your sin to the Lord right now. And 
It is what is in this cup that washes us of our sin. I've been telling you this every Sunday. But do you know what else it does? It washes away the sins of the world. It, it, it even... It will even forgive those if they are in Christ that is that have wounded and have hurt you. So this is about the forgiveness of your sin, but it's also about the forgiveness of sin of those that have done horrible things in your life. It's amazing how even Christians can do horrible things. So let's forgive them. It's going to wash away your sins. You can intercede, stand in the gap, allow the Holy Spirit to prompt them. And maybe once again, you will be able to sit at that table and have communion with them. God, forgive us of our sins, for we do not know what we do. We harbor pain, we harbor bitterness, we harbor lust, we harbor greediness, we harbor power, none of which are your fruit, none of, the, of which are in this cup. In this cup is love, is joy, peace, patience, sacrifice, long-suffering, not giving up, healing. A sound mind. In this cup is the fullness of life. Receive the lifeblood of Jesus Christ into your very being for the forgiveness of your sins. If I could have the ushers come to the front. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless this offering so that in this church we can continue with the battle. God, I pray that as we come out from under darkness into the light, we won't rest on our laurels as a church, that we will see that there's, a, there's still a fight to, be, to take place in the light. I pray that this church does exceedingly more than we can imagine. So God, I pray that you will give us your imagination to reach the lost, to heal the sick, to cast out evil and dark places. This is your commission to us. Help us to be strong, courageous, obedient, and faithful. We put our faith, we put our trust in you all areas. Our life is yours, Lord. God bless you as you give.
send you away with a blessing and an image in your mind. Remember when it seemed as all was lost in the movie clip? They were up a tree. A lot of action going on. And the wizard takes a moment. And he finds something beautiful in a moth. And he connects with that. He literally says a prayer for that. Summoning the angels. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Like, that's your homework. If you're up a tree, if you're in the fire, if you're in a frying pan, you just need to do what Tolkien did in the midst of darkness. You need to find something beautiful and take a moment and pray to the Lord and wait upon him and allow him to whisper life into your heart. So now, may God be with you. May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, soul, your mind, your strength, may they get better, becoming blameless each and every day until the second coming of our Lord. What he is saying, it's going to be hard until all things are made right. But there is a second coming. He is returning. The king is returning. And when he does, every tear will be wiped away. And you will be with him forever. God bless you. Allow God to move powerfully into your life. Wait upon him this week and anticipate angels flying in. God bless you.